Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you after this fine weekend? Doing okay, Dan. Happy Monday, buddy. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good to be back with you all. Missed you all over the weekend. Um, Gosh, I did a mediaite and these uh, these hack left leaning outlets. They can't give you like two seconds on a uh, on a media appearance without disingenuously framing what you were saying. It's amazing. <laughs> so uh, I want to one hand thank them for publicizing my appearance on Fox and Friends this morning. Uh, but secondly, I want to uh, go into again what I talked about this morning because it's important. Uh, this stone indictment and how this essentially at this point puts a nail in the coffin of the entire collusion fairy tale. I want to get to that and some shutdown mechanics to what's going on behind the scenes. All right. All right. Today's show brought to you. By, I just got off this thing by my buddies at Teeter. I can't say enough about our next sponsor, Teeter, and their inversion table. Uh, you can use gravity. It uses your own body weight and gravity to decompress your spine and relieve pressure on your discs, surrounding nerves, and your skeletal structure, in my case, which is infested with arthritis. Ah! Stinks. Decompressing on a teeter inversion table for a few minutes a day is a great addition to your daily routine to maintain a healthy spine and active lifestyle. If you have back pain, even if you don't have back pain, avoid back pain in the future. Invert on a teeter inversion table, the best table out there. Um, I feel like a new man when I get off it. It decompresses my spine. It's great for my bad shoulders, my elbows, too. Some products I use regularly, you know, some I can't because they're not designed to use regularly. This I use twice a day, before the show, after my workouts. Over 3 million people have put their trust in Teeter. They're the best known name in inversion tables since 1981. For a limited time, you can get Teeter's brand new 2019 upgraded model of the inversion table, the Teeter Fit Spine, with bonus accessories, stretch max handles, and an easy reach ankle system, plus a free inversion program mat with 24 illustrated stretches and exercises. Teeter inversion tables have thousands of reviews that are rated 4.6 stars. And with this deal, you'll get $150 off when you go to teeter.com slash Dan, T-E-E-T-E-R.com slash Dan. You'll also get free shipping, free returns, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. So there's no risk for you to try it out. Remember, you can only get the new 2019 Teeter Fit Spine Inversion Table plus a free inversion program, Matt, by going to teeter.com slash Dan. That's teeter, T-E-E-T-E-R.com slash Dan. All right. Um, let's get to the shutdown update first so you understand what's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand since Friday, many of you wanted me to do um, a special. Many of you are disappointed. I get it. Um, I, I'm not here uh, to, I'm not an emotional support animal on, on, a, on a Delta flight or a JetBlue flight from uh, New York to uh, uh, Palm Beach Airport. Not that I know anything about that. I'm only here <laughs> to tell you the truth. Sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. The shutdown and the the Donald Trump reopening of the government for a three week uh, breathing uh, breathing period, some uh, some little, you know, a little bit of a buffer here uh, was not a political victory uh, for us on our side. Um, but I don't think either that it was the political catastrophic political loss that others are making it out to be either. Let's lay out what's going on behind the scenes here, folks, so you understand what's going on now, in case you missed it. Uh, last week, I believe it was on Friday, I was up in New York doing the five. Uh, Donald Trump reopened the government for three weeks. Uh, and in that three week CR, that continuing resolution for three weeks, Joe, um, he did not get his wall funding. So understandably, I got a lot of emails from people on my account here, a lot of tweets saying this is a, a failure. We capitulated. Mm-hmm. This is not what we bargained for. Um, you know, we had them. I think we did, by the way, we had the Democrats uh, up against a, a wall on this because they were looking increasingly, uh, increasingly, Joe, I don't, I don't how do you, 
uh, sclerotic in their approach. They had calcified into this. We don't really care what happens anymore. We're not giving Trump anything uh, and, and everyone be damned. Well, what happened on Friday? There was a kind of a game changing moment when some of the FAA uh, fl- flight controllers called in sick at some of the one of the airports. Ironically, I was flying out of LaGuardia um, and uh, Atlanta and caused a little bit of a ground delay at these airports. And mm. I say game changing because clearly it changed the calculus by some people on the White House side who felt like the Democrats uh, increasingly hardened approach to this could have went on forever and people were getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Now, folks, I, I'm not trying to put lipstick on anything. I just said to you clearly, this was not a political win for the Trump team. But the president was in an increasingly tenuous spot. And here's why. He had framed the government shutdown on his terms that he was going to own it. Now, quote, I'll take the mantle on this. He had said this. And remember that show in the Oval Office meeting that he was standing by this no matter what. Yeah. He had framed that in his terms that I was going to uh, President Trump's being he was going to take the mantle on this. And the media, of course, ran with that and painted no matter how much the Democrats looked uh, increasingly uh, uncompromising and ridiculous in the face of the shutdown. The media was constantly using that quote to frame it in terms of this is Trump's fault. Joe, as the audience on Budman, uh, if, if this doesn't make sense again, please stop me. Because I want the audience to get this. I want you to understand the political strategy and the tactics that were going on behind the scenes and mechanics of this. The Trump team had made a tactical error by embracing the shutdown before it happened and saying he would take the mantle. It just was. I'm sorry. It was a it was a bad call. Now, Trump's not Trump's a smart guy. The media gives him no credit for it. And I think he started to see Joe. That no matter what happened, the Democrats in the media's eyes, because they're they're sycophants and butt kissers for the left and and full time activists for the left. No matter what happened, Joe, right? The Democrats could come out tomorrow and say, if the United States is invaded, we don't even care. We're not reopening the government. It doesn't matter. The media was going to constantly go back to that Trump Oval Office statement that, hey, he owned it. It's his shutdown. You, You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. In other words. He was taking on political water and the boat was starting to sink. Trump is not a stupid guy. He understood at this point that the way to do this is to clean the slate on the other on that shutdown and live to fight another day on this. He had already painted himself in a corner by saying he owned it. Now look at the difference here. And again, I'm not putting lipstick on this. I think the move he made was not a political win. I think it was a short-term loss in exchange for what I think could be a long-term win here, Joe. And I think it was a smart move on his part. Here's why. Mm-hmm. Now that he's cleaned the deck on this original shutdown, Joe, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The shutdown that he had said, I'll take the mantle on this. I'll claim credit for this because we, we need to secure the border. And he was right. We do. I, I think he, he engaged in the right fight there. The, the line he used reframed it wrong. In order to reframe this, he had to clean the deck on that one and reopen the government. Now the deck is clear again, Joe. All right. The deck is clear. Now when he comes back to the negotiating table with a compromised position, again, I'm not, I don't agree. I've said this now a thousand times, but I'll say it again. I don't agree with any capitulations on DACA or TPS. That's, I don't agree with that. I, there's no wavering in my principles at all. I'm giving you the political tactics here behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. If he comes to the table with a three-year extension, legislative relief on DACA that he says he'll sign, and TPS, and 
comes back to the table with his 5.6, 5.7 billion in funding for his for his border wall, Joe. Mm-hmm. The government is now reopened for three weeks. He reopened it, not the Democrats. What are the Democrats going to say when the government shuts down in three weeks? Because they wouldn't even accept their prior negotiating position. They had already agreed to this stuff. In other words, in the past, in this in the shutdown that just ended last week, they could say, hey, listen, this is President Trump's. Look, he said it. Mm-hmm. Now that the government's reopened and Trump appears to be coming to the table with a compromised position, whether you agree with it or not, he has put the Democrats in a really bad bind over this three weeks if he sticks to his guns on this. Because now he gets to make the reasonable case. Hey, listen, the first shutdown, I claimed the mantle on it. I claimed credit for the shutdown because I, Joe, I made the mistake of thinking the Democrats were concerned about immigration and a compromise. Mm. You tracking me here? Yep, we all are. I made that mistake. My fault. I thought they were genuinely interested in a compromise deal to secure our border and reopen the government. It was clear over this three weeks of government shutdown that the Democrats were only interested in one thing, hurting the American people, hurting the uh, our, our air traffic, hurting our economic growth. This is all the Democrats saw this as a win-win because it was your loss. I made that mistake as a result of that mistake. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Politicians say they make mistakes all the time. There's nothing wrong with coming out and saying, I made the mistake of thinking the Democrats were here to cut a deal. They are not here to cut a deal. They are here to hurt you. I have now given the American people a three-week reprieve from the Democrats' recalcitrance and reluctance to cut a deal. I have given the Democrats a chance to come to the table. I am giving the American people a three-week breather, a cooling-off period, everyone, to see how willing the Democrats are now to come to the table, now that we've cleaned the deck and opened the government. And I am also doing it on their conditions this time only. Because 30-plus Democrats have already signed a letter to Pelosi saying we have to consider border security measures if Donald Trump reopens the government. In the interest of protecting the American people, I have reopened the government. I am now willing to negotiate and compromise on this. And clearly some Democrats understand the importance of border security, too. Now let's see in this three weeks what the Democrats are willing to do. And if the government shuts down in three weeks now, he has completely reframed the argument. I am not suggesting any of this is going to be on our conditions. But at this point, ladies and gentlemen, it is absolutely clear that the Democrats are looking for one thing and one thing only. That is to hurt you and to hurt Donald Trump. The only way to expose this, the only way, was to clear the deck on this first shutdown, which he had claimed uh, he was going to take the mantle on. Because the Democrats don't... Barack Obama would have said the same thing. The Democrats would have the Democrats and, and their media bootlickers would have ignored the whole thing, Joe. But because Trump said it, they decided to frame this debate consistently in the, in the way this was Trump. Trump did this to you. Now it's the Democrats' turn. And I think he's putting DACA TPS out there some legislative relief, three-year relief for DACA recipients and temporary protective status. In other words, people who came here uh, after natural disasters, mm-hmm. some of them came in violation of our laws, by the way, a good, a large swath of them, and claimed and they would receive temporary protective status. That's what TPS is. I should have explained that. Some of them are here illegally. He's proposing, Trump, some legislative relief for them as well, because many of them have been here a long time. Again, I don't agree with that. Please don't email. I don't, my principles stay the same no matter what. 
whether you care about that or not. But Trump has clearly put this on the table, understanding it was a Democrat negotiating position that now, Joe, now if they shut the government down again in three weeks, he can come to the table and say, listen, in the interest of the American people, the Democrats are not willing to compromise. Here's what I did. I opened up the government. I gave them a cooling off period and they still stuck it to you folks. This is theirs now. Now they own this. Mm. He beat Schumer before on this. In the original Schumer shutdown, he can beat them again. It's sad, folks. It's pretty pathetic. It's gross that this is what our government has become. But remember, long term, I think Trump has a chance and we have a chance to win this. The government has shown its complete futility to deal with the American people's problems. How the Democrats think long term a message that their government can't even manage to stay open. Forget about solving any of their problems, to use the dreaded air quotes. How the Democrats think this is some kind of long term message that reinforces their ideology that government is a solution to the problems in your life is a joke the government's a joke it's a farce outside of our military and our court system the government gets nothing done it has bankrupted your retirement it has screwed you out of your social security money it is bankrupting people on their health care bills it is it is at the point now where we're going to be looking at rationing health care at some point in this country if they implement their single their single payer system they have shafted you on the public education system which amongst oecd countries despite being the richest country in the world we have one of the worst public education systems out there everything the government touches it destroys in contrast to that loser rick wilson's book that everything he has a book out there everything trump touches whatever he destroys that the real title of the book should be everything the government touches it destroys the government has completely failed you it took over the security and air traffic control now we had a i'm not knocking uh tsa people go to work but i'm just saying then we had a sick out you have faa controls you had a sick out there what's going on here What's going on here? You're expecting people to work for free. No, they, they listen, it wasn't a, the ideal situation, but no one was working for free. There was going to be back pay, and that's the way it was going to work. I'm sorry. It was not ideal. I worked for the government. I get it. I understood that working for the government, you're working for a failed organization. I was. We didn't even get paid overtime half the time we worked in the Secret Service on foreign advances. You'd work like 16 hours a day. You got paid for eight. 10 if you count the leap, the availability pay. The government has failed you. This is not a long-term message. And how the Democrats think this helps is astoundingly stupid. They have shown the futility, the failure, the epic failure, the, 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 the golden calf you will be worshiping if you believe in your life that any of your problems are going to be solved by this failed bureaucracy, this failed political class, and these swamp rodents in D.C. that can't get a darn thing done. And folks, one more thing on this topic before I move on. I got a lot to get to. There's a lot of stories out there, and I don't want to leave behind and for an unnecessarily long rant here. But folks, the rhino class is doubling down on stupid. There was an incredibly vicious attack by a White House insider on a, a bunch of friends of mine who um, I used to be associated with groups, a bunch of conservative activists, a bunch of passionately good people. There was a virulent, disgusting attack, a smear in the New York Times by a group that showed up at the White House for, for uh, President Trump. Hmm. Now, disclosure, I was a member of that group for a long time. I still communicate with a lot of them. 
a, a disgusting smear. I've seen in some conservative, conservative, I'm using that term loosely, publications, increasing attacks on CPAC, people who are attending CPAC. Ladies and gentlemen, I get it. Nobody's perfect. There are a lot of people on the conservative side I wish would handle things different. I'm sure people would say the same thing about me and you, Joe. Not everybody on the conservative side is a huge fan of us. I'm just telling you, do you guys understand the fight we're in right now? You are taking your assets, your energy, your life energy, your, 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 everything you have in your spirit and you're rededicating your assets towards fighting conservatives? You think that's the fight we're in now? Do you understand this is battlefield morality time, as I've said a thousand times? The Democrats are interested right now in your destruction. They are interested in confiscatory tax rates to destroy your future, to destroy the incentives in our economy. They want to destroy Christians. They've doubled down on attacks on the Knights of Columbus and the Little Sisters of the Poor, bakers who don't want to bake cakes or be part of a ceremony that violates their religious beliefs. They have become increasingly virulent in their attack on Christians. They have doubled down on on the public education, the destruction of our public education system by refusing parents any form of school choice. They're bankrupt in California and New Jersey, and and, and you choose to dedicate your assets, your energy, and your time towards attacking other conservatives because you don't like what? One, I saw one article in the Washington Examiner's morning. They don't like Charlie Kirk's tweets? Listen, I, I know Charlie. I have no allegiance to Charlie or anybody else. I don't mean that in a bad way. I do my own thing. But this is what we're wasting our time on? This is it. This is what we're wasting our time on. Gotta clean up our movie. Really? You have to clean up our as we're under a full-fledged siege by the left right now against religion, Trump, court appointments, Kavanaugh, everything. This is how we dedicate our assets and time? It's uh, it's really unbelievable. I I I'm stunned. I was reading a bunch of articles today that on, on a conservative website or what I thought was conservative for you know the 30 40% of the pieces were attacking conservatives. We shouldn't be owning the libs. Oh, no, no, I know. That's what we should be worried about right now. We should that they, they don't like owning the libs. Yeah, the libs like owning you. <sighs> right? <laughs> They're kicking your every single day. Yeah. And you're attacking other conservatives because you don't like their groups. And uh, give me a break. Well, that is a sucker punch to the gonads. <laughs> it sure is, daddy-o. My gosh. Prioritize. This is, these, these, are the, these are new fights. These are harsh fights. These are battlefield morality. When you were sitting there on a battlefield in a, in a trench warfare battle with someone trying to destroy you, you don't worry about the guy next to you is cheating on his girlfriend. Who cares? It's not your business right now. You need to stay alive. Tighten it up. Sheesh. All right, I want to move on to Stone, and I got a, a couple of other stories, too. <laughs> Joe, do you hear Hillary Clinton's thinking about running again, by the way? <laughs> I heard, I, uh, uh, yes. Brother, I know you're there, but I... I, I I'm telling you, man, take this seriously. I know. See, in a plurality race where name ID matters, remember, keep this in mind before I get to this spot here. Keep this in mind. I've run for office. I've been in one primaries. I lost one, one, two. Remember, folks, primaries, which the Democrat primary for president works like Mm -hmm. any other primary, are name ID fights. They are not typically ideological fights. Why? Because in a primary, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one piece of information on a ballot. 
And in a general election, there are two. In a primary, there's only one piece of information, and it's what? Your name. That's it. If they don't recognize your name, they don't give a hoot what you believe in. If they don't recognize your name, you will never get a vote. In a general election, there are two pieces of information on a ballot. Your name and your party affiliation. So even if they don't recognize your name, people can say, oh, I'm definitely not voting Democrat. I'll vote for the Republican. Who is the Republican? I don't know. Uh, You know, Joey Bag of Donuts. I have no idea. All I know is I don't vote Democrat. You can't do that in a primary. You don't know anybody's. You you don't know what they're about. Half of them, you don't even recognize the names. Don't gaff off this Hillary Clinton run. Don't do it. I'm telling you right now, she, if she puts her name in a hat, she stands a darn good chance of making it all the way through the primary because there's going to be, Joe, what, 25, 30 people on the ballot? <laughs> the way it's looking now. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of these states are plurality elections, meaning not a majority. If Hillary Clinton, she could win this with 18, 20%. And believe me, there are two out of 10 people who are going to show up who have no idea who's Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, or John Delaney are, or Howard Schultz, who was talking about running as an independent. They have no idea. They will see Hillary Clinton. They will check the box and walk right out of there. Don't gaff this off. This was the mistake the liberals made about Donald Trump. Oh, he's so stupid. He's so stupid. He made a billion dollars. He ran for president, won his first time. And yeah, he's really dumb. Yeah, that's what we need. Advice from a bunch of a media idiots who can't even keep their own business. Well, hey, I need a thousand clicks on my story. So I'm going to put a stupid title about Donald Trump. What an idiot he is. <laughs> the guy made a billion dollars and won the presidency his first time running for office. But yeah, let's take advice from from you. Sitting in uh, in mommy's basement, you know, sitting, sitting, mama, ma, is the meatloaf ready? Yeah, let's take your advice. <laughs> Mom, you got my spam sandwich? Mom, you got my avocado toast? That's in a BuzzFeed writer in his mama's basement criticizing Trump. Guy, oh, dude, guy couldn't uh, empty the garbage cans in Trump's apartment if we're supposed to take advice from him. But let's not make the mistake of those idiots. Take this seriously. Clinton could make a comeback. I'm, I'm, I'm deadly serious about that. Folks, I worked with Mrs. Clinton for a long time. A long time. And when I'm my prior line of work, do not underestimate their ability to engage in political machinations. Do not. They are slick. So he's called Slick Willie for a reason. And she's not as uh, ignorant and naive as everybody makes her out to be. Slick Willet. You may want to coin that. Maybe we'll throw it out on the shirt. All right. New sponsor. Yes, we love it. Listen, relationship tip numero uno. Number one, it's not going to truly feel like Valentine's Day unless there's a surprise bouquet of roses involved. Come on. We all know that. And this season, the biggest and brightest roses are only found at 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, when you order early. Don't forget, guys. Come on. 1-800-Flowers has amazing deals on vibrant and romantic Valentine's rose bouquets, arrangements, and more, starting at just $29.99. There are so many unbelievable deals from 1-800-Flowers, but you have to hurry. I got some of the most beautiful flowers for my wife uh, last year for Valentine's Day. They could, they could, And they lasted for... Probably, I guess, two and a half, almost three weeks. And I, at one point, they almost ran out of water. So some of it was on me. 
So they would have probably lasted longer. Roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure fre- uh, freshness and her amazement. Valentine's Day coming up. Gorgeous Valentine's bouquets and arrangements starting at twenty nine ninety nine. It's an amazing deal, but it won't last long. These bouquet prices will be going up soon, so take advantage today. Pick your delivery date and let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. Get on this today so you don't forget. When it comes to Valentine's, I don't settle for anything less than my Rose Authority. 1-800-Flowers.com. Here we go. To order Valentine's bouquets, arrangements, and more, starting at $29.99, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, it's important, and enter code Bongino. Order today and save at 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and put in promo code Bongino, and you will get your special savings there. There, Check it out. 1-800-Flowers.com, click that radio icon, use my last name. Okay, uh, on the Stone thing. So I appeared on uh, Fox and Friends this morning discussing some characteristics of the Roger Stone indictment and out, outrageously absurd, over-the-top, ridiculous, entirely unnecessary FBI raid on his house like they were going to hit Osama bin Laden or something. Uh, ridiculous, ridiculous. I covered that on Friday. I have been a staunch defender of the ranking file men and women of the FBI repeatedly. Um, and I don't want to make blanket statements or stereotype here at all. These, But this was an ab- ab- abomination of a decision. Whoever at the FBI decided this was OK to do uh, to give the Americans the impression that we now live in a police state. I'm sorry, but you should be embarrassed. Really? You should be incredibly embarrassed. And when you start to lose people like me who've worked with these guys who are very good, and I, I don't make stereotypical statements about everyone, neither should you, but this was an abomination and the people involved should be horrified. But I was on this morning and uh, the people, there are two particular outlets that really seem to have taken to me, Joe. Um, they're almost like uh, in a kind of a creepy kind of way. There's like hmm. an obsession with me. Mediaite and Media Matters. Uh, is it medium? I think it's medium matters. It was MFF. MM, I always go by the Twitter. Yeah, it is medium matters for America. Uh, they seem to be like creepily and oddly obsessed with me. They listen to my podcast too. I wish they would just put the link in there. But, but uh, I was on this morning and I was getting into the stone indictment and how I've read through it now three times. Mm-hmm. And I keep picking apart new things in there, which indicate to me that th- this, if anything, is an embarrassment and a black eye for Mueller. Because it proves at this point there's no collusion. If he had it, we would have seen it already. In other words, Joe, I said on Fox and Friends this morning, and I'd like you to take this to your liberal friends, that they can't have their cake and eat it too. They're making two contradictory arguments to us when it comes to the Mueller probe. And the Stone indictment proves this. Okay. Argument number one they make, Joe, which you and I hear often on our Twitter and our email from liberals that criticize the show is, well, Dan, you keep saying there's no evidence of collusion, but you don't know what Mueller has. Okay. That's argument number one for them. You tracking me, folks? Mm -hmm. You don't know what Mueller has. In other words, there is a suitcase full of collusion information. Mueller's hiding and we'll all see it soon. Okay, fine. I, I, I stipulate that I don't know in entirety what Mueller has. But now we do know what Mueller has. We have seen multiple indictments which have led to public court documents on Papadopoulos, on Manafort, on Stone, on uh, 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 what's the uh, the lawyer's name? I'm drawing a blank. Vanderschwan, Alexander Vanderschwan. We've seen the indictment. So if your argument is wait to see what Mueller has, and then we see what Mueller has, and when he shows us what he has, he has nothing. What do you? Get? I don't. I don't get it. Which which argument do you want to? Your argument is wait to see what he has. He showed us he has nothing. 
The Stone indictment is now public record. I've read through it. There is nothing there. If you can show me, here's my challenge to the liberals if you think I'm making this up. If you can show me otherwise, something in that document that indicates a connection between Trump, his his campaign, the people managing his campaign, Trump and the Russians colluding in an effort to get information and impact the election. I'm all ears, babe. I'm all ears. But you can't find it because it's not there. It's not in the indictment. A couple of things that are in the indictment and some of the associated testimony cited from the indictment by Roger Stone. Keep in mind as well, the testimony they used where he was charged with lying to Congress was testimony to a Republican-led House committee, Joe. Mm. So Devin Nunes was on with Maria Bartiromo this weekend and had a fascinating point on her Sunday show, which is excellent. I can't recommend it enough. Nunes said, don't you find it a little odd that Mueller had to come on hands and knees crawling to the House-led Republican GOP committee at the time to ask them for the testimony on Stone to prove a collusion charge they couldn't prove in an indictment and then had to come out with this flop, which proves the opposite? Folks, if Mueller had this suitcase full of collusion-based information that was going to sink the Trump team on a collusion conspiracy, why is he going to Devin Nunes' committee to beg for the testimony that he then puts in indictments which shows the exact opposite, that there was no collusion? You don't find that odd? Couple of points about the indictment. The indictment emphasizes at one point, which the liberals have loved to make hay over, and I debated Chris Hahn and Judge Janine this weekend about it, and I think I nailed them on this. Yeah. They keep saying, you saw that? They keep saying, and Hahn said it to me, in the indictment it says a White House official, or a campaign, or excuse me, a campaign official, directed Roger Stone to see what else WikiLeaks had. Folks, this, is, this proves there's no collusion. Please follow me. If a White House campaign official asked Stone to see what WikiLeaks had in it, remember, WikiLeaks has already released at this point a portion of the DNC emails. So every, folks, this is critical. When that, that, when that alleged encounter occurs, these are all allegations, keep in mind, between the White House official and Stone, when that alleged encounter occurs, folks, WikiLeaks has already released DNC emails. So in other words, what you're saying is some guy in the White House was speculating about what WikiLeaks would would uh, release next and asked the guy, Stone, to ask another guy, Credico, to ask WikiLeaks what might come next. So you have a guy in the White House speculating who asks a guy who asks another guy who asks another guy to speculate on what WikiLeaks might have. That's your case? It's Billy Preston time, baby. Oh, Nothing from nothing. What the heck is going on? Holy cow. I love that song, by the way. This this is the best you've got? And then it indicates in the associated documents with the indictment and the testimony that Bannon, they're talking about Bannon, by the way, Steve Bannon. That's clearly the campaign official they're talking about. Who, uh, you know, in, in the Chris Hahn way of looking at it. So Bannon, who was working with Trump, asked Stone to reach out to WikiLeaks to find out what else they had. By the way, even if he did, none of that's illegal. 
But it refutes your whole premise. If Trump is colluding with the Russians, why does he have to ask a guy to ask a guy to ask a radio host to ask WikiLeaks? Why? Because they don't know. They don't collude. They haven't colluded with the Russians. Joe, gosh, I know I'm hammering you a lot today, but please tell me this is making sense because, folks, this Mueller indictment is slowly but surely refuting the entire collusion fairy tale. Yeah, it makes sense. Is this making sense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting sick of it making sense, but it's making sense. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't like Let me just, can I give you a quick analogy to sum this up? Oh, man. If I'm running for president and it's alleged that I was colluding with the Russians to get emails on, on Hillary... Why would I have to go to Joe Armacost and say, hey, Joe, you know, WikiLeaks released a bunch of DNC emails last week, buddy. Uh, Can you do me a favor? Can you reach out to that guy you're talking to, Credico, uh, who maybe can reach out to another guy he knows in WikiLeaks and find out if anything else is coming out? Why would I need to do that? If I have a direct channel to the Russians, why do I need to go to Joe to ask a guy to ask another guy? Because I don't have a direct channel, the Russians. Guys, ladies, please, I'm begging you, please tell me this makes sense. Because the whole thing is a sham. It's a scam. So part one of this, a White House, or excuse me, campaign official had to ask Stone to ask another guy to ask WikiLeaks after the information become public if they had anything else. Why would they need to do that if they knew the Russians and were colluding with them? Because they weren't. Secondly, you don't find it odd that in the documents and the associated testimony, Stone says that Steve Bannon, the same guy he's alleging, is is pushing him, Mueller's alleging is pushing Stone to get this information from WikiLeaks, that Bannon won't return his calls? Joe, bad enough that Trump doesn't have a back channel to the Russians. So some campaign associate who we don't even know is communicating with Trump about any of this, by the way, has to go through a guy to go through a guy. Mm -hmm. But even worse, the campaign official Bannon won't even return the guy Stone's phone calls. (laughs) That's in there. He won't even return Bannon's phone calls. This is the if this is a collusion conspiracy theory. This is the worst collusion I have ever seen in my life. This is a joke. What kind of collusion is this? <laughs> Uh-oh, Paula's listening. Paula's going to storm in here right now. That's it. For those of you who have just started listening, that's the Muttley laugh, of course, from Dick Dastardly. My wife, Paula, who listens in and helps produce the show, uh, hates that, the Dick Dastardly laugh. So I will hear about that later. I may be on, Paula may be on strike soon, if you know what I mean. Oh my. This may be bad. This, <laughs> we, may, we may have to get into union negotiations with it. This is a joke. This is a total joke. The Bannon won't even return his calls. This is so important that they can't even get the guy on the phone. Bannon said something like, I think the quote was, I have important things to attend to. In other words, important things, meaning not this. Okay, one, one more thing. I'm really fascinated by this story. So Andy McCarthy has a great piece. I, I, I hope I put it in the show notes today. I, I will get, I will do it. Let me take a little note here. McCarthy, I don't want to forget because it's a great, great piece. He is a very talented writer. It's at National Review. 
But as I've said repeatedly, I'm a passionate guy, but Andy's a very sober, reasonable. Joe's interviewed him on his own, his last job when he was still in the oh, radio great. station. Yeah, uh, Joe, they have, he's a great guy and he's a wonderful mm-hmm. human being. I know him personally. But Andy has never been ever a, a I don't want to I don't want to say this the wrong way um, a a sycophant for anyone. Trump did them. He is always when Trump does something wrong, he'll call it out. When a Democrat's he wrote a piece this weekend, you have got to read. It is so good. It's on my Twitter account too, where he points out and lays out all this stuff. I'm telling you, that is anyone ever going to actually plead guilty in all of these indictments, Joe, to an actual conspiracy to impact the election with the Trump team? Nobody's done that. All we've seen is evidence that there's no conspiracy. And Andy's point is, does Mueller owe the country now? Does he have any obligation to tell the country at some point that this is not real? That you've all been hosed? That this collusion thing is made up? Does he have any? Of course he has an obligation. I'll answer your question for you. Yes. And McCarthy indicates that too. Mm Mm-hmm. That any responsible prosecutor with such massive power, Joe, at this point, has an obligation to give the truth to the American people so they can honestly assess what's going on in the political climate of our country and with our president, Donald Trump. You don't like him? Fine. Vote against him. You don't like his stance on school choice? On the Trump tax cuts? You don't like his approach to the the shutdown? You don't like his approach to immigration? Fine. We live in a constitutional republic. I will fight every day for your ability to disagree in a free country while I disagree with you simultaneously. But my gosh, accusing the man of treason, of being a traitor and a Russian colluder and co-conspirator with zero evidence. Do we owe the country? Bob Mueller, do you owe the country anything? And the answer is clearly yes. What are you doing to this place? Your reputation is going to be in tatters when you're humiliated. For propagating this myth that Trump is some kind of a Russian colluder and traitor and allowing this to go on. You are a co-conspirator to this this X-Files fairy tale nonsense because you won't let it go. One final point on this, which I brought up with Chris Hahn this weekend on uh, the debate. Mm-hmm. What I find incredibly hypocritical about the left is Han had said, and he's not here. To, maybe I'll have, do an interview with him. I, 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 it's a little unfair. I don't want to do what liberals do. It's a little unfair to beat him up while he has no chance to respond. Um, maybe we'll do some kind of a Friday interview with him, an extended, uh, you know, and then we can debate and argue back and forth. But he was on Tucker Carlson on Friday night, and I watched him from the, the pods up at Fox. Fox has some, uh, has some interview pods in their office, and I was going on after him, so I watched it. And Han had said something amazing. Again, again, he's a liberal. And he said, well, what's really troubling about this, Joe, is that where it gets criminal was Stone's attempt to contact unsavory individuals connected to foreigners. I thought, did he just say that? Is this real? Are we living in in the real world right now? Unsavory contacts with foreigners are now a reason to start an investigation against someone. Ladies and gentlemen. Hillary Clinton's entire team, their dossier efforts to spy on Trump was based on unsavory contacts with foreigners. This is not this is documented. This is easily researched on the open Internet. Hillary Clinton paid a law firm that paid Fusion GPS to pay a foreign spy to produce a nonsense dossier on Trump that the foreign spy Christopher Steele in a sworn deposition, Joe, in London, has already admitted he got the information from Russians. I I don't get it. 
again, you can't have it both ways to kind of take this full circle. We need to, first, you want it both ways. Well, we need to wait for what Mueller has. We saw what Mueller has. It's nothing. Are we waiting or not? There's nothing to wait for. He has nothing. And secondly, you can't make the claim that unsavory contacts with foreign individuals is a potential criminal charge that should be investigated. And then when I bring up to you that it's already on the record, Hillary's team hired, literally hired a foreign individual to gather intel from the Russians and then ignore that. The answer, Joe, is of course you can because you're a liberal and being a liberal is in essence being a hypocrite. I'm sorry, but you know that's true. Yeah, it is true. All right. You got that Swalwell thing? We had a- Yes, sir. <laughs> Cue that up while I read this. This is, uh, stay tuned. This is fun. Eric Swalwell has become this, uh, this, uh, uh, I mean, we'll talk about a guy who's lost it. He is a uh, far left radical congressman from California who cannot, simply cannot get his foot out of his mouth. He had an interview with Margaret Hoover. I'll play for you in a second. Where who Margaret Hoover uh, has been doing a good job at that show over there. It just humiliated him, like totally embarrassed him. Right? I'll get to that in a second. Um, today's show finally. Brought to you, my buddies at WaxRx. You know, I love my sponsors. I only work with companies that uh, products that I use and my family can use as well. Well, WaxRx is one of them. I had a big problem with the earwax build of my ear. True story. And I do now, especially when you see me on Fox, there's a squiggly uh, Secret Service type earpiece. I call it an IFB in my ear. Uh, and, you know, you're not supposed to stick those cotton swabs in your ear. That's not what you're supposed to do. It's dangerous. It even says it on the back of the box not to do that. So how do you clean your inner ear, which I have to do or I can't hear anything? Well, WaxRx, here's a customer review we got, uh, we received in our email account. This is a real review. I want to check this out. I used to have to go to the doctor twice a year to get rid of my stubborn, hard earwax. With the rising cost of healthcare and a double deductible, I had to spend $60 per visit. That's $120 a year to treat my ears. Now I can do it myself with WaxRx and a significant savings that doesn't require me to miss a half a day of work. Thanks, WaxRx. We get that all the time. Right now, you can try the WaxRx system by typing in GoWaxRx.com. That's GoWaxRx.com. Use the offer code DAN at checkout for free shipping. GoWaxRx.com. Offer code DAN at checkout for free shipping. Don't wait. You have no idea what you might be missing because of your inner ear wax. Who knows? It might just change your life. GoWaxRx.com. Offer code DAN. You will be surprised when you use it, folks. Um, when you clean out your ears, you're going to be like, whoa. <laughs> Check it out. GoWaxRx.com. Offer code DAN for free shipping. Check that out. Okay, Joe. So cue that up. This was Eric Swalwell uh, in an interview with uh, Margaret Hoover, where he's asked about the Donald Trump economy and the fact that middle class wages are rising, unemployment is down, and GDP growth is up, and Swalwell just cannot get out of his own way. Complete the sentence. The state of America's economy is... Insecure. And it's not working. Uh, So right now, about 78% of Americans, uh, according to CareerBuilder, are living paycheck to paycheck. It is hard to argue with 3.9% unemployment, highest wage growth in this last year in 2018 than any of the past years in the last decade. I mean, many of the fundamentals and the confidence of the economy are far better since Trump took office than they were under the previous eight years of President Obama's presidency. And I wonder if it's just too difficult for Democrats to give the president a win. You know, I, I think if you look at this like a, a building, if you work on the top floor of the building, you're doing really well. And those fundamentals matter. The stock market matters because you're invested in it. If you're working on a lot of the floors below, where- Yeah, but uh, just, wages are up. Uh, today, uh, over half of Americans couldn't weather a $400 emergency. 
Uh, and, and wages going up, they're not matching the cost of health care. They're not matching the cost of transportation and housing. But overall, it's difficult to argue yeah, that, I, that I, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act didn't help the economy. There's, there's no evidence that, that it's helped the economy. <laughs> I can't get enough of Swalwell. We had a little Twitter back and forth this week. We called me out for a typo. I typed C instead of seen. And uh, I just filleted him. And Twitchy picked it up. So I tweeted that out because uh, he's such a radical, far left. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the, folks, here's the, here's the, I only play that. Not to, I, I usually don't like kind of vapid, intellectually ignorant, stupid comments like this. But the reason I bring it up is, again, just involved with the shutdown update. The Democrats are going to find themselves in an increasingly tenuous position as the economy improves and with the shutdown as Donald Trump compromise, whether you like that compromise or not, from a politically strategic and, and media perspective, the Democrats are going to find themselves in a, listen, we have to, at some point, we're going to have to come to the table with something outside of we hate Trump, because that's about 20 to 30 to 40 percent of the primary voters that hate him. Uh, most Democrat primaries don't like them, but they're not driven by this vitriolic hatred like about the 30, 40 percent. Sooner or later, they're going to have to come to the table with something. Yeah. They have this same problem right now with the economy. The American people are feeling it. They're getting jobs. They're getting raises. They're getting promotions and they're leaving jobs they don't like and leaving part time jobs for full time jobs. They do. like. I know it. I was just talking to a woman this weekend, a friend of mine whose husband's a headhunter, an executive recruiter and business is great. You look out of touch and the Democrats are going to frame themselves in Walter Mondale terms soon. When in 1984 for the Reagan reelect, Mondale decided to run against this as well. Well, the Reagan economy's not that great. We need to bump up the taxes. Could be better. We can do better. Uh, Mondale promptly lost 49 out of 50 states and got smoked. The only state he won was Minnesota, which was his home state. And he barely won that. I think he won by 3,000 votes. The Democrats are in a real quandary right now. And sitting there like Swalwell did, bouncing around like a like a, you know like a Matryoshka doll, like they open it gets, his arguments get smaller and smaller and smaller as they open the doll. Ah, what about the growth? That, 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 it's the top floor is growth. Yeah, but middle class wages are rising. Yeah, but people are living paycheck to paycheck. That well, middle class wages are up. What are you talking about? He doesn't have anything. They're lost. This is going to be their message. And they're they're appealing to an increasingly small fringe section of their uh, of their uh, of their base. Okay, I wanted to get this. I have a terrific piece up at Bongino.com, which will be in the show notes today by Matt Palumbo, debunking liberal lies about Venezuela. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an important piece. Um, it's an important piece because this is yes, I don't want to say no. Yes, it is a foreign policy matter. But it's important to you because in triaging why the Venezuela story is important, I would make the case to you that the second most important thing about Venezuela right now is the foreign policy matter. The number one gold medal winner in messaging here and what's important about the Venezuela crisis, number one, it's a human crisis where people are suffering. That's most from a moral perspective. Let's not leave that aside. But the number one messaging issue we need to hammer home on Venezuela right now is this is what socialism really is. And the Democrats are now running from this Venezuela. They're trying to lie about Venezuela and paint it as something then other than they want here in the United States. That socialism is socialism. That is exactly what government control of the means of production looks like. It looks like death. 
It looks like destruction. It looks like deprivation. It looks like starvation. It looks like economic collapse. The economy of Venezuela went from $334 billion in GDP to $94 billion in the period the socialists took over. They decimated this economy. Do not let these liberals off the hook, ladies and gentlemen. There are generations of impressionable people a gen, excuse me, a generation of impressionable kids out there and college kids who have been taught for their entire four years in college, two years for a community college, where socialism is somehow a net beneficial thing for our society. It is a disaster, a catastrophic, apocalyptic disaster. And this is the time to message this, that this is what socialism really is, just like Reagan did when this collapse of the Soviet Union which was happening under his watch, didn't happen completely under his watch, when the collapse of the Soviet Union was ongoing. He never missed an opportunity to highlight the death and destruction socialism causes. Matt was nice enough to put together a piece debunking liberal lies about Venezuela. It's short. It's worth your time. Please check it out at my website today. I want to highlight one quick thing from it. He makes three points. I'll go into detail on one of them. Number one, uh, Liberals out there, like a a very liberal, radical, far left representative uh, from Michigan who's claiming this is some kind of a U.S. coup. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Listen, I don't do conspiracy theories. That's that's to be left. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Matt just kind of knocks that down quickly. How silly this is. It's not a U.S. coup. It's just stupid. That's just dumb. The people of Venezuela rose up in the street. You think the United States had, you know, uh, Green Berets in there. Listen, I'm sure it's in our interest to foster this situation there and to get the socialists out of power. But this was not a U.S. coup. Don't be an idiot. Second, Joe, he makes the point that the Democrats, again, in an effort to run from, oh, this is the wrong socialism, Joe. <laughs> if it- we just had the right socialism, Dang. this would be right. So they say, <laughs> this wasn't socialism. Social. This is going to be the leftist argument. Yeah. It wasn't socialism that collapsed Venezuela's economy, Joe. It was the collapse in oil prices. Really? That's fascinating. Because Matt Matt makes a great point that as a percentage of their economic wealth, Venezuela, their oil revenue wasn't as much as even the Saudis, and they didn't suffer the economic collapse Venezuela did, despite the fact they don't even have that free of an economy. So your point is, uh, he makes another brilliant point, too. That food shortages in Venezuela began in 2011 when oil prices were at their peak. So two quick debunking points about silly liberal nonsense about Venezuela. Oh, this wasn't socialism, it was oil prices. Really? Because they were starving to death in 2011 with food shortages when oil was at its peak. And secondly, other countries around the world that are heavily reliant on oil revenue too didn't have nearly the economic collapse Venezuela did. Knuckleheads. But here's the real winner, where Matt gets plaudits from me. If this isn't Joe real socialism in Venezuela, yeah, you know the liberals. Oh, this isn't real. This is fake socialism. Real socialism would have done a lot better. Mm. Then how come Joe? They the liberals celebrated Venezuela before its collapse as a form of the socialism they like. <laughs> oh yeah, we're naming names. We are naming names, babe. <laughs> Name and names. Joseph Stiglitz, Bernie Sanders, Michael Moore, 
Corbin over in the UK, Noam Chomsky, all celebrated this Venezuelan socialist model. So now, keep in mind, this isn't real socialism. That's not what they were saying about Venezuela before people starved to death and collapsed. Let me read to you one about our buddy Bernie Sanders. Limousine liberal, fraud, hypocrite Bernie Sanders. From the piece at Bongino.com. Bernie Sanders republished an article on his official Senate website that argued these days the American dream is more apt to be realized in um, this is funny this is just so stupid is more apt to be realized in South America in places such as Ecuador Venezuela and Argentina where incomes are actually more equal today than they are in the land of Horatio Alger unprophetically the article concludes with the line who's the banana republic now the answer is Venezuela In other words, Bernie Sanders promoted Venezuela as this ideal form of socialism that the left is now running from, granted that they're killing off their people through starvation and deprivation and they destroyed their economy. The very same left is now saying, oh, no, no, not that Venezuela we celebrated before. This is a different Venezuelan socialism. Nope. Nope. You don't get a pass. No, you don't get a pass. Chomsky, Michael Moore, all of you Hollywood, Sean Penn that celebrated Venezuelan socialism as it's destroying the country, its people, people are fleeing by the hundreds of thousands, the millions. No, no, you don't get a pass. Absolutely not. All right, two final stories, newsworthy and worth your time. Uh, big news in the Supreme Court, Joe, on the Second Amendment front. I haven't covered Second Amendment issues in a, in a while, yeah, and forgive me while. for that. There's just, it has been, right? There's been yeah. months. Uh, it's not intentional, folks. There's just been so much news on Spygate and everything else. And what, wait, one quick note. Thank you, by the way, everyone who bought my book, Spygate. This weekend, we were incredibly down to number nine on Barnes & Noble, the ninth highest seller on their entire website, number nine, despite four months in release. So, um, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. The book has just been a monster, and uh, I can't thank you enough. Um, but there's been some breaking news on that, so we some stuff had to get sidelined. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear a case, Joe, that could be absolutely pivotal in the advancement of our big R God-given rights to defend ourselves. The case is the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus New York City. Let me quote from a Fox News piece in the show notes today about what it's going to be about and why this matters to you. The case at a minimum, Joe, will decide whether or not a New York City law that limits residents' ability to transport their firearms outside of their homes is constitutional. Currently, residents in New York City can carry a, a, a license, if they, if they can get one, locked and unloaded handgun to one of seven shooting ranges within city limits, but nowhere else, hmm. including homes or shooting ranges outside of the city. Ladies and gentlemen, this is clearly an unconstitutional restriction on your ability to defend yourself if you can only defend yourself. And by the way, it doesn't even matter because you can't even carry it, but to take it to a range. So you can only defend yourself if you can get to it while you're headed to a range. It's nonsense. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear this case now with Kavanaugh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, and Neil Gorsuch on the court with a, with a clear conservative majority. Um, keep him, Just keep this case on your radar. I will update you. I just want to let you know it is agreed to be heard. And this could be a big, bold step forward in shutting down unconstitutional restrictions on your ability to defend yourself. Finally, one more story at the Examiner. Again, at the show notes today, please join my email list. I'll get you these stories every day. It's an important one. 
Uh, some people in the Senate, notably led by McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, is moving to decrease the debate time from 30 hours. On, let me make this simple. The Democrats are stopping Trump's nominations to the courts and Trump's nominations to the executive branch. They've been stopping it by demanding 30, 30 hours of debate. There are too many nominees, folks. If you get 30 hours, more than a day long of debate on every single nominee because you, uh, you want uh, to stop a cloture vote, right? Of course, what's going to happen is no one's, it's going to clog up floor time, number one, and no one's going to get into their positions in the administration or on the courts. Right. McConnell is finally, finally, and this took a lot, I wish he would have done this sooner, is finally pushing it now. And he's going, uh, it looks like they're going to push to cut that debate to two hours uh, for uh, district court nominees and circuit court nominees and eight hours for cabinet officials. They're not going to touch it for the Supreme Court. They'll leave it 30 hours untouched. What does that mean? That means that we are finally going to be moving faster, even though Trump has done a good job with the courts, even faster to get constitutionalists, people who respect our Constitution on the courts, which, remember, is going to far outlast the Trump administration. Uh, I have a story in The Examiner today, Joe. Important. Trump has renominated in a nice, bold move. This is why, too, just to circle back to the beginning. Let's not stay. Yeah, we're abandoning Trump. We're jumping ship. Stop. 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 It was a three-week repeat. Everybody, I'm sorry, but st- stop. What, what are your options right now? Howard Schultz, Hillary Clinton? Uh, Trump is all we've got. Trump renominated in a pretty nice, strong move here. 51 people back to the courts and for the executive branch. 51 at once. Ladies and gentlemen, there's only 146 vacancies right now. If they can get these people confirmed in the next few months, we'll have filled a third of the vacancies like that, lickety-split, on these courts, which is going to impact decisions, wink and a nod, like this Supreme Court decision later that may not even need to make it there because we can handle it at the district and appellate, uh, circuit and appellate court levels. Excuse me, district and appellate levels. This is important. There are other things happening right now, too. There's no time to jump ship. None. We're in a real fight here. Notice how the left never gave up. We can't either. He's all we've got right now. We don't have anything else. You gotta dance with who brought you to the party, folks. Got a lot of good things going on. Not all of it's great. There's gonna be some downsides. We've taken some bumps and bruises. The Democrats are footlockers. You jujitsu guys and ladies know what I mean. Foot. <laughs> People who do footlocks, they're the, they're the most dangerous. You can never see where you can never see it coming. You're sitting there, you're trying to pass a guy's guard. Next thing you know, your ankles in twenty pieces. The Democrats are footlockers. Yeah, I thought you meant like a box. You know, no, 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 not like footlocker. No, no, foot like jujitsu footlocks are deadly, man. The SBJ Penn who just lost it to, uh, to a footlocker. They're footlockers. They are. They're sneaky. We have to be willing to double down. Let's toughen up, folks, and let's toughen up. And I know you're disappointed. I get it. I see your emails. I read them. That's why I put my email out there on my website. I love your feedback. But double down. We can still get some significant wins on the board. All right. Hey, thanks again for tuning. I really enjoyed today's show. I had a lot of fun with you all today. Uh, uh, please check out my website, uh, Bongino.com, to listen to the show. Please subscribe to the podcast. If you don't mind, I deeply appreciate it. On iTunes, you can click the follow button on iHeart if you don't have an iPhone. You can also follow us on SoundCloud. It's these subscriptions that drive us up the charts. Uh, it is free. It is of no cost to you. But a lot of these top charts things monitor subscriptions, not necessarily downloads. If it was downloads, we'd be at the top all the time. 
So we appreciate you subscribing. It means a lot to us. All right, folks, thanks again, and I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.